Welcome everybody to the Keto Endurance Podcast. I have Tony T.C. Hale, who's from the Kick It Naturally Health and Radio Show. He also has a really interesting book that we're going to talk about that it's called Kick Your Fat in the Nuts. What's the name? Is that like, I read the book and I have all kinds of questions and Tony has answers. So welcome, Tony. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. You know, we had this really awesome chick on our Chat the Fat podcast recently who taught us all about keto and endurance, and her name was you. And so yeah. we, we had a lot of fun with that. We had a lot of fun with you on the Low Carb Cruise as well, too. Yes, the Low Carb Cruise. We had such a great group of people. It was really, really fun. And I'm going next year. Are you going next year? Yes, I am going to go next year because they're leaving like from three blocks from where I live almost. I mean, not oh. really, but it's, it's really close. So yes. basically all I do is hang out with Stephanie. My fiance is not jealous. It's fine. It's going to work out. <laughs> but she'll be there probably. Yeah, she will. Yeah, so cool. All right, so kick it naturally. So let's talk about how you came about figuring out health because you had some issues. Yeah, like most natural health experts, I started out touring professionally as a stand-up comic. That's the normal course of right. action. I didn't take right. that course, but... Um, well, you're one of the freaks, yeah. <laughs> so, so I was doing that, and then I lost my voice, and then it didn't come back. And it ended up taking me eight years to get my voice back. And that's not that fun, just in case. No. That sounds horrible but i have to say the eight years seems like that's about the time it took me from being a complete train wreck to feeling good right and you know for some people it, it can take it can take months and, and years especially and i think that that's why a lot of people might give up and just say i'm just i'm just gonna eat this chubby hubby ice cream every day because they hear about a story that, wow, I changed my life in 14 hours. And look at all the stuff I did. I lost 700 pounds since Thursday. And people hear those stories. And when that doesn't happen for them, they're like, oh, maybe this isn't right for me. I'll just go ahead and quit. Yeah, but it's healing's a slow process. Right. But for me, you know, it took eight years, but I had stuff to say. So I was willing to do the extra work. And that's kind of how I did. I kind of became this psycho researcher. That's really the only thing I did till I got my voice back. I just read books and toured the country going to any seminar or workshop that I could attend about nutrition or, or health. Along the way, I just kept learning things. As I was trying to figure out my own answers, I was like, ooh, I, I wonder if this is why Scott is dealing with that problem. And oh, I bet Anita is, has this issue. And, and I started helping my friends fix the problems that they were having before I had fixed my own. And I helped a friend fix his insomnia. And then a friend of his called me and he's like, dude, I'll pay you $500 if you will help me fix my insomnia. And I was like, oh, it's a business. <laughs> that's so, nice. Right. So that's kind of how all that came about. Yeah. But I also think that learning patience and the, I still haven't figured out the get skinny part. I figured out how to get rid of asthma and allergies. But the get thin, I don't have that part of the equation, but I read your book and let's talk about digestion. Okay. Because I've never really talked about digestion before, but people never. do tend to say, yeah, is he going to shut up about the poop already? Can we just talk about something else, please? Because it's a really big deal. I find that nine out of 10 people that come to me with some type of issue end up having some type of digestive problem that is. It's just not working the way that it's supposed to. That doesn't mean that 9 out of 10 humans do, but usually when somebody has a health issue, it's either creating a digestive problem or there's a digestive problem as the underlying cause that's contributing to it or, or causing it altogether. So with you, when you say you haven't figured out the skinny part, were you more overweight before? Because you're not an overweight human. Well, I'm still not. Well, I weigh about 175 pounds and I'm 5'5". Five five. So I'm not light, I'm not frail, but I mean, I have a fair amount of muscle because I exercise right, regularly. Yeah, a lot of stuff. And, but I would like to be smaller than I am, but I 
it's like my body has a set, it has a set point. I get to about 165 and it pretty much like stops, rebels. And it's almost like I become possessed where I will eat something or whatever to sabotage it because I'm hungry. I don't feel good. Until I read your book, I had not done a digestive enzyme protocol. And I did that, although it didn't make any difference in my weight, but I did feel like I pooped better. Right. So I, Sometimes that can be part of it. So let's kind of look at, at, at digestion a little bit and see. Did I hear Macy? I know who Macy Oh, my gosh. Macy was my a guest dog. on my podcast. She's quiet as could be, and then all of a sudden she hears something. She's psycho. Right. I used to date a girl like that. So when we look at digestion, let's kind of look at some of the things that it can, how it can create problems for weight loss. And we'll also talk about some problems that it can create specifically for keto. And when we're looking at, oh, why can't I get these last few pounds off kind of a problem, there really isn't an answer to that question because it's going to be different for every person. And that's kind of my stance is that there is no diet that is right for every person because we all process yeah. foods right. differently. Yeah. So it's just, it's never going to happen. So just shut it down. You don't have to keep searching. Just shut up about the whole thing. It's, it's never going to show up. So even a diet that I feel that's very beneficial in a lot of ways, either keto or a low-carb approach, neither of those is really right for every person. Because if a person can't process fats correctly and they can't even break down protein, if they remove all their carbs, they just remove their only fuel source because they don't have the ability to really pull the fuel out of fats or proteins like most of us can. So if the only thing they, they can break down is carbs and turn that into a fuel source pretty easily, and they're like, okay, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get rid of all my carbs. Now they have no fuel for their body and they feel lousy, but they also have no fuel for their brain. And now they psycho and they just yelled at the mailman because they don't like the shorts that he's wearing may have known somebody who's experienced that type of emotionally they they become in unstable when they try and do some type of diet because basically they're trying to eat foods that their body is not processing well enough to use the nutrients in those foods does that does that make sense yeah that makes sense and i agree although like for me before i went on your cruise i had been eating Paleo, but a lower fat paleo. I mean, not a keto, but lower fat keto. And I, you know, I still had ketones on the ketone meter. But if I added too much fat, it would give me like explosive diarrhea. And when sure. I went to a carnivore diet, I felt better. But if I did high fat carnivore, I would have explosive diarrhea. And Which so is not, you don't want to lead your dating profile out with, hey, I have explosive diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> That's, the explosive part that's going to scare away most yes, of them. The explosive. But, you know, I felt better aside from that. <laughs> aside from the diarrhea part. Right. I felt better. And I do feel better most of the time without adding a lot of vegetables. I'm fine. But it's just that part. And so after your talk, I was like, maybe I have a bile problem. Yeah. So let's look at that a little bit because yeah. most people think, okay, if I, I ate food and then, you know, it came out the other end, everything is working fine. But that's not always the case because what happens is, let's say we eat a salami sandwich. And uh, I'm not suggesting that you eat a salami sandwich. It's just fun to say salami sandwich. But when you eat that, it goes into your stomach. And even right when you're chewing it, you're creating enzymes to digest it. And there's a lot of other aspects of digestion that I'm, I'm not going to dig into now. But the main two aspects are once that food goes into your stomach, your stomach creates hydrochloric acid and it's, it's, an, it's a very acidic substance and it helps us begin to break down that food and it's especially needed to break down proteins into amino acids, which is what our body uses. Our body can't use chicken, doesn't know what to do with chicken, but any more than your, you can't put crude oil in your car. That crude oil has to be processed into gasoline that you can then put into your car and then your car, you'll make it down to the Winn-Dixie and you can go shopping. But if you just put crude oil in there, it's not going to run. So the same is with our body. Our body can't run on chicken, but when you can digest the chicken and break it down into elemental nutrients, because that's what we're doing when we digest. We're digesting the foods and breaking it into 
vitamins and minerals and uh, amino acids and we're emulsifying the fats so that the fats are in a state that the body can actually use them. So what happens is that hydrochloric acid starts to acidify the food and it becomes very acidic and then that acidic product leaves the stomach and goes into the duodenum which is like the first few inches of the of the small intestine. And when it does that the gallbladder drops this substance bile down onto this acid product. And the, the bile is very alkaline. So what we're looking at is this alkaline substance meeting with this acidic substance. And when the pH is that different, it just kind of explodes. It creates like this sizzle. And the sizzle is what helps us break that food apart and pull the nutrients out of it. So there's a lot of reasons for a person to have either their stomach acid not functioning correctly or their bile not flowing correctly. And when either aspect of this digestive process is not working correctly, then the person can't process the foods correctly. They can't pull the nutrients out of that food. So let's say that a person doesn't have their bile flowing correctly. And this is extremely common. If a person has been eating low fat for decades, like since back when we were wearing parachute pants, you know, that's kind of when they started telling us, don't eat the fat, run, run. If a person did that for any length of time, then the gallbladder wasn't being called on to, hey, come down here and help us process these fats correctly. And when the gallbladder is not being called on, that bile just kind of sits there and it gets thick and it gets more concentrated and then it starts not to flow as well. It gets too sticky and then it can't really move the way that it's supposed to. And then it eventually concentrates into stones. And then we have gallstones. And the doctor says, no big deal. The gallbladder doesn't do anything anyways. Let's just yank it out. You know, that's kind of the system that we're working with right now. But if this person with poor bile flow says, you know what? This high fat diet seems to be working really well. Or, or maybe I'll just lower my carbs and increase my fat some. Either way, they're going to take in these fats. They have an inability to process the fats correctly, so undigested fats start to rot and ferment and create all these chemical problems, and the body can't use it, so it says, well, what do I do with this junk? And it has a few options. It can say, send this out the back door as fast and as explosively as you can. <laughs> yeah. And then you sit on the toilet and you lift off the toilet like a rocket shooting into the air because of, of this explosive diarrhea. And I can see you have your, a bump on your head probably from hitting the ceiling yes. from that. Right. So it's not, it's not fun. We don't want that. But there's other options even. You know, the body can say, hey, I'm going to push this problem because undigested food is, is a burden on the body. It's a problem and the body has to try to figure out how to get rid of it. So you're not only not getting the fuel that you think you're getting, you're also getting another burden that the body has to deal with. So the body will be like, hey, just push it out through the skin. The skin is this huge filter thing we have. Let's just push it out. And then the person gets acne or they break out or they get the you know, keto crotch, you know, whatever somebody wants to scare somebody into, right. into thinking. But people scare them because these things happen. Because a person starts to eat predominantly fat when they can't process fat, it's going to create a problem. Now, what happens with a lot of people with keto is they'll start on keto and they'll get nauseous because they can't process all these fats or they'll have diarrhea or they'll get sick or they'll have no energy, but they'll stick with it anyways because, geez, my friend lost 300 pounds, so I'm going to try it longer. And they're just kind of pounding the gallbladder. The gallbladder is getting yelled at, like, we got this fat. Come on, send some stuff down here. And it, and it keeps getting called into action. And for some people, as long as that bile is not too thick and really screwed up, it will eventually start moving again just because it's being called on so often. And then they start to feel better and then keto starts to work for them and everything is great. But for the majority of people, it's been a problem for so long and it's so thick and sticky that they can't make it past that miserable state of nauseous, chronic diarrhea, my face is breaking out, am I in high school again? What the heck is going on? They can't get past all of that. And they end up going back to eating their nutter butters and, and ding dong, stuff like yeah. that. So let's talk about, so in your book, you have, you recommend this product called Beat Flow to resolve that issue. So can you talk about what Beat Flow does and how you, like, how did you figure this out? Because that seems pretty random, like beat, beat. 
screen. I woke up one day and it just hit me that if something was called BeatFlow, that would, yeah, it's, it's not my product. I don't want you to think that, that I made this up or that I figured it out. I, I didn't. It's made by a, pro, a company called Empirical Labs. And basically, I learned about it from the school in Chicago that taught me how to look at bioindividuality, how to look at an individual and look at their body chemistry to understand, are they processing carbs better? Are they processing fats better? Can they even digest protein? Do they have cellular imbalances that may be causing the body to break down too much? Or do they have an inability to rebuild tissue? Uh, you know, all these different physiological factors. They also taught me that what seems to help the bile flow the best is beet greens, not beetroot, because there's a lot of cheap beetroot products out there, but that doesn't really do anything as far as thinning the bile. So this is just what we use the most because we, it seems to be the most successful. But people could also do things like a coffee enema. It doesn't really help thin the bile, but it helps dilate that biliary pathway so it's easier for it to move through, and that can sometimes solve the problem for people. Other steps that a person could take is reducing estrogen levels. If someone's on like a birth control that is uh, hormone-driven, they often raise estrogen levels, and high estrogen levels really thickens up the bile and seems to be problematic. So stress can also raise estrogen levels. And a person could also remove foods like processed carbs and grains. Those are other things that seem to thicken up the bile. So there's a lot of steps that a person could take, but we just use the beet blow because we see it work the fastest and it allows people to get past a lot of misery. Because let's look at one of the big weight gain issues that a lot of people hit. So a lot of people don't know that it's not just fat that gets stores in fat cells. A lot of things, a lot of toxins and things that the body can't deal with. The body is so burdened that the liver can't filter everything out. So the body says, what do I do with this? And some of those substances can be shoved in fat cells. And what that does is it pulls the junk out of the bloodstream so that the bloodstream can stay within the balanced chemical range that it needs to for us to be alive. So it's, it's saving our life really by making us fatter, but it's helping us by taking some of these toxins and making them inert by putting them to a safe place that is a fat cell. It's like a toxic waste dump. Right. It's like a dump. So a lot of the cottage cheese thighs that people hate, it's just your toxic waste dump. It's just your body keeping you alive. And the body's idea is we'll come back when the coast is clear and we'll empty this stuff out and everything will be fine. But the problem is with people eating their ding-dongs every day, and I'm going to go ahead and have three tablespoons of chocolate syrup in my coffee, and, and I'm going to uh, take all these medications that are overwhelming my liver. Those all have toxic substances that are toxic to the body because they're synthetic. And so anything that's not natural, the body views as a toxin, and I'm going to move it out. So when all these things overwhelm the liver and the body, they can get shoved in fat stores. So now look at this. When the liver does filter out junk, it puts it into the bile. So when the bile flows through the gallbladder and it goes down through the intestines and it's helping us digest all of our fats and it's helped neutralizing the acid that came from the stomach and doing all these great things, then that toxic waste goes out the back door where it's supposed to go. But if a person's bile isn't flowing, the waste doesn't leave. So it kind of gets reabsorbed and now the body's more overwhelmed and it's like, we got to shove all kinds of junk in the fat cells. So a person starts to expand and maybe they're doing enough other things. Maybe they drop their carbs so that insulin can come down. And for most people, that's going to help them lose some weight. But there's a lot more factors that can cause weight gain than just insulin. So if they don't fix these other factors, they get stuck. And they're like, why can't I lose the rest of the weight? I was doing so awesome. Is it, am I having bad thoughts? Am I just not a good person? You know, yeah. that's kind of how we think. Right. But the reality is there's about 10 different aspects that can cause someone to hold on to excess weight. You know, I hear from people every day that are, have been constipated since they were nine years old. So if you can't poop, guess what? Where's the waste going? It's not leaving. So yeah. that was my body before when I was doing the high carb, low fat, 
endurance training and on all kinds of medications for asthma and allergies. Like I was like, food gate went in and I'm like, where did it go? Right. It had to go somewhere, you know. And, yeah, I'm and like, so I'm not pooping. Even when I did poop, it wasn't a, it wasn't a satisfying poop. You know, you're like, oh, right. that was a good one. No, right. like, I'm going to, I got to show this on Facebook. This was awesome. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like. No. And it's, uh, I was like, that's messed up. And then whenever I would go to the doctor, she would be like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, well, I feel like crap. I'm on $80 a month of copay of right. asthma and allergy medication, and I'm not pooping. So I think that there's something wrong with me. But according to their test, there was not. But right. I and, and you have a hard time finding a doctor who's like, oh, you poop once a week? That's fine. Don't worry about it. No big deal. The truth is that it is, it, it's a big deal. And not pooping itself can cause a lot of problems, but the underlying cause that's creating the constipation is likely causing a lot of other issues, and some of those other issues can be severe. And uh, I don't know that we'll have time to get into a lot of that today, but I have a book called Constipation, Kick It Naturally. And on our podcast at kickitnaturally.com, you can kind of search for topics that we've covered. Like each show, we just cover a topic. Like yeah, I was looking at your webpage, and I'm like, oh, these all sound very interesting. Toenail fungus? Right, yeah. Like we cover a lot of topics. We, all, we started yeah. to run out of things, you know. <laughs> each topic, we don't say like, here's a good remedy for that. We explain what the most common underlying causes are for that thing, what imbalances create them, what malfunctions create them, and what you can do to improve the situation. So I, I was reading your show, number 120, sarco, Sarcoidosis. What? I don't even know what that is. I don't even remember what, what that is now. Yeah. So like people will email us on questions and then we'll kind of research what it's all about and we'll research, you know, what medications are they using to fix this? Because when you understand how some of the medications are changing physiology to fix a symptom, it can help you understand what the actual underlying cause is, so to speak. So that, oh. can, that can be kind of fun. Well, I may have to listen to that one so I will know what that is. Right, but yeah. You could remind me. Probably been four or five years, I think, since we, since we did that one. <laughs> well, it posted on August 4th. But I know you record them like months and months. Yeah. yeah. Also, we've been replaying some from years ago just because oh. we, have, we have the new keto podcast, Chat the Fat, that we've been putting a lot of attention to. So. When you get too many oh. podcasts, it's like, come on, just. You know, that's a good idea. I have some old shows that I've done a long time ago on my podcast. And that's a good idea because they're still relevant. Right. And iTunes only keeps like 100 and then they start deleting them. So we had a lot more than that. So we start oh. replaying ones that have been deleted. So they're still available for people that. Because people send us questions. The easiest way to answer a question is, oh, in this podcast, we break it down for like an hour instead yeah. of typing things out for about an hour. Because, you know, the thing is, is that every underlying cause, like say insomnia, has two or three different underlying causes. So a person will hear that, oh, you know, uh, glutamine helps insomnia, so I'm going to take that. But glutamine can make one of the causes of insomnia like 10 times worse. So the person starts taking something that worked for their friend, and they end up much worse. So it's all about understanding how to look at your physiology to get an idea of what the likely underlying cause is, and now you have a starting point. Now you don't have to just throw darts at a dartboard trying all these things that make you worse. You have an idea of the best place to start for you and your actual human body. Cool. Yeah, I think it's very helpful. The book that you wrote, Kick the Fat Naturally, is pretty kick, easy. Kick, kick your fat in the nuts. So kick I'll tell you what. Sorry, sorry. Kick your fat in the nuts. We'll do this for your listeners. It's on Amazon and all those kind of places, but... If you go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash book, I'll let all your listeners download it for free. Sounds fabulous. So get the book, especially if you have any um, digestive issues or mineral issues, the book is fabulous. Talk a little bit about how to build up hydrochloric acid in your stomach and the absorption of minerals. Yeah, it's a really big deal. And, and most people who are constipated low stomach acid is almost always at least a contributing factor. And one of the biggest problems is that we're told 
that if you have acid reflux, that you have too much stomach acid and it's coming up and it's burning you, so why don't we just turn that off? Why don't we just punch Mother Nature in the face because she's probably wrong and we'll turn off what she's doing so that the person doesn't have this symptom of this burning coming back up. But the reality is that in 99% of the cases, acid reflux is caused by the person not having enough stomach acid. The stomach acid is too low. So what happens is at the bottom of our esophagus, there's this lower esophageal sphincter. It's called a, an LES. And it opens up so food can come in. Yay, we have food. And then the body starts to break down that food. It makes the hydrochloric acid to start breaking it down. And then that valve will close so the food doesn't come back up. So here's the problem. That LES valve is triggered by stomach acid. So if a person isn't making enough stomach acid, they may be making just enough to the food that comes back up now has a little bit of acid in it and it's burning them. So they feel like, oh, I have too much acid. I need to turn that off. But the reality is, is if you can increase the stomach acid in your stomach, it'll be acidic enough to then trigger that valve to close and then the acid reflux will stop and you get to continue digesting your food and actually pulling nutrients out of it. Because when you take you know, a PPI or one of these type of things, you're turning your digestion off. And people end up, you know, like, I'm bloated, I'm constipated, you know, what, what's the problem? But at least I don't have that reflux anymore. It's because you turned off the ability to break that food down so the food is rotting and fermenting. It creates all these gases and pressure that creates that bloating. And when a stool is not acidic enough, it'll move slower and that creates the constipation. So it's one of the biggest problems in our nation because the acid reflux drug sales, is it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Oh, yeah. But it seems like it's almost like once you get started on it, unless you figure out a better way, because it's cutting down your stomach acid. So then if you stop taking it, you're definitely going to have the problem. So then you're going to have to take it all the time. I know people who were taking PPIs every meal. I'm like, what are you doing? This is before I knew that digestive enzymes helped with that. So I'm like, you need digestive enzymes, not, not the PPI. And some of them actually switched. I didn't know about the HCL and digestive enzymes and the beet flow at that time. I just had heard on Rob Wolf's podcast. Sure. And I had a client who had digestive problems. She was going to have surgery for a hiatal hernia. I'm like, that's pretty extreme. I think any time they cut you open is extreme. So I said, why don't you try this digestive enzyme protocol? And she did, and she canceled the surgery. Right. So, you know, the, the 1% that I was talking about for people who can't fix their reflux by adding more acid are people that have a, a severe enough hiatal hernia. Sometimes if you can increase your stomach acid, you can still get that valve to close correctly. But depending on the, how the hernia is placed, it can pull the stomach up into the diaphragm and it kind of is kind of jacking up that LES valve so it can't close properly and that, that's why they're getting the reflux. But there's steps you can take to improve that naturally and that was one of the issues that I actually had as well. You know, the problem with the PPI thing is that it turns off the acid so you're not getting burned anymore, which is, you know, that, that is a benefit because if you just keep getting burned, it's going to cause some pretty significant problems. Uh, it's going to damage all the lining and all that kind of stuff. But when you turn off the stomach acid, your stomach is also making enzymes still. You're still making digestive enzymes that are made to break down protein. And now you're still getting reflux, but there's no acid in there, so you don't feel it. The PPIs and all the reflux drugs don't stop the reflux. You're still getting it, but you don't feel it because there's no acid there. The problem is those enzymes are coming back up that are made to digest protein. Well, guess what your esophagus is made of? It's protein. So you can still create long-term damage when you're doing that because the reflux is, is still happening. But the tricky thing is that we know that the drugs turn off stomach acid and it, it turns off your ability to pull enough minerals out of your food. The problem is to make hydrochloric acid, your body needs minerals. So if you don't have enough minerals to make hydrochloric acid, now you can't break down the food and pull the minerals out so you have enough minerals to make hydrochloric acid. So you get stuck in this 
catch 22 over and over cycle for years and decades. So you don't have to have had a drug to turn off your stomach acid. There's a lot of things that can turn it off. Uh, an H. pylori infection can come in there and they eat up all your hydrogen and you need hydrogen to make hydrochloric acid. Other bacteria can create, they have alkaline waste product. So they're neutralizing all of your stomach acid because their waste product is too alkaline. People with really low blood pressure who have not been assimilating minerals enough won't have enough minerals to make that hydrochloric acid. So there's a lot of reasons that your stomach acid could be off. So we start looking at some clues, like if you're bloating or you're burping or you're having acid reflux or you're constipated, you see actual food in your stool, any of those things is a really strong sign that you don't have enough stomach acid to break down your food properly. And most people just think, eh, well, you know, everybody's bloated. All my friends are bloated. That's normal. It's just a normal thing that we just have to deal with. But the reality is that it's common, but it's, it's not normal. Cool. Talk about your business. So like if someone wants to get help from you, they can obviously listen to your podcast, but do you offer coaching or what exactly do you do to them? What do I do? I don't even know anymore. I was doing personal training and I would see clients as well for nutrition in LA and you know, had fun working with all the fancy celebrity-ish people. And, but I just moved to Florida to kind of retire from all that and just kind of doing the podcasting and writing the books. And we have a lot of online courses where we kind of create these courses that have like hundreds of videos where it's almost like, you know, I'm walking people through that. So that's an option for people. We actually, uh, a great way if you think you have digestive trouble is we made this kind of free course for all of our book readers. Because, you know, when you read the book, it's like, oh, this is great. This really makes sense. And what the hell is he talking about when he says this? Some of this stuff can be complicated. So we made a course that really walks people how to do these simple tests at home. How, to, how, do, you, how do I test my blood pressure? I don't even know. How can I look at the pH of my urine and saliva? And when I do, what does that even mean? Because there's a lot of really bad information out there about pH that's misleading a lot of people into making a lot of big health mistakes. I actually bought the, all the testing stuff, and then I was I actually was normal in the normal range of everything, so I'm like, eh, I'm not going to test, which is after I read the book. I went a little over the top getting everything. I'm going to figure this out, but I think the main thing, the digestive enzymes, I did get up to five. You mean so, the HCL? The HCL, yeah, the HCL. Like, so I'm like, oh, obviously. And then I dropped down to four and I noticed that I'm using less of them. So obviously had slow, right. slow stomach. That's good news. Yeah, that's good news because what happens is we help our body digest food and the body can say, oh, wow, I get to pull minerals out of this food and I can use these minerals to do stuff. And now the body starts to make a little bit of its own hydrochloric acid. It starts to increase the amount that it's making, which means you can decrease the amount that you're taking. And the goal is to eventually not need to take any and allow your body to do what it's intended to do. And, and that can take longer for some people for a lot of reasons. But before I forget, let me get back to, we have this four-week digestion course that kind of walks okay. people how to look at their physiology and how to fix any digestive issues. And it's, it's really great. And you can go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash keto digest. And it's a 50 cent course. And so it's basically a free course, but we charge 50 cent because that keeps out all the spam registrations and it makes, you have to prove, look, I'm a real person when I register for this, but that'll help a lot of people. So I occasionally still work with people online, but it's not that often. I, I train a lot of coaches and we have a, a health coach course that teaches practitioners how to do what we're doing. So most of the, uh, requests for help that come into us from a variety of ways go to our students. But I occasionally do still work with people from time to time. Just to, I like to stay in the trenches. You know, I, I learn yeah. a lot when the standard thing doesn't work for somebody because the reality is that we use some tools like some of the things we've been talking about, like the HCL and enzymes and beet flow to help people fix digestive issues. And we use some other tools to help people fix imbalances. But they don't always work for some people because the issue is so severe or the imbalance is so severe and it's been there for decades, 
that you have to take more aggressive steps. So I like being in the trenches where I can learn what other variances can we do to help somebody that's in a really bad situation. How long since after, so you went on this, you got sick, lost your voice, and then it took you eight years to really get your voice back. And then how long has it been since then that you've been working with people? I have no idea. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's a fuzzy line. I feel yeah, like that's how it's sort of a fuzzy line with me too. Like you go on your figure things out and then you start helping people, working with people. And then right. I think I've been working with clients since before I got my voice back. I was helping people fix issues before I fixed my own. And so it's, it's been about 12 years since I've been doing that. That's cool. Um, but it's a lot of fun and you learn a lot doing that. And I've been writing books and doing the podcast for eight or 10 or, or something like that. Yeah. I, I apologize. I had not heard of you before I went on the cruise. Yeah. That was not required. You were not required. Was not required. I'm so immersed in the keto endurance training area, which is right. not even, and it's quite a niche. Yeah. It's quite the niche. And there's not a lot of people in that niche, but I'm, I know those people like all the other stuff I'm like oblivious to. And one of my friends was telling me, she goes like, TC hell's going on your cruise. He's so great. So funny. I'm like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not the first time. Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> but you are, uh, you're super funny because you used to be a stand up. Oh, well, so I feel like I need to start listening to your podcast just because there's some words in here that I don't know. Let's and talk about one of them. Let's talk one that will be important for endurance athletes, especially because I think a lot of people come to you that want to try keto. Maybe they're already doing endurance stuff. So right. one really important imbalance that is one of the biggest issues we help people with is at the cellular level, our body is either always in a catabolic state or an anabolic state. And most people just hear anabolic because they hear anabolic steroids. And basically what those are doing is those steroids are forcing a person to be in this anabolic state all the time. And the anabolic state is where we are at night when while we're sleeping and our body is rebuilding, it's repairing tissues, it's doing all those functions that are great. So during the day, we're in a catabolic state, or we're supposed to be. And this is where our body is better at creating energy, and it's better at breaking down tissues so that those tissues can be rebuilt and replaced and renewed. Like we know, we hear all the time that, you know, after a few months, we have a whole new body. I, I don't remember the number of what it is, but, you know. Seven years. Uh, yeah. Constantly. Except for your things, cornea. Your cornea okay. is never replaced, but okay. why? Hang on, I'll, to, I'll, go, I'll find one at a garage sale. So we know that's a fact that that happens, but most people don't understand the state where those things take place. So for a lot of reasons, a person can get kind of stuck in either this catabolic state or an anabolic state. We see a lot of people that are stuck in this anabolic state, and that can be a major cause for constipation because in that state, the body sends more water to the kidneys and less to the bowels, so the stool gets hard and it doesn't move very well. So in a catabolic state, we see the people who have the constant, uh, you know, soft tissue injuries and all these things because those tissues are not being rebuilt. They're just stuck in this breakdown uh, state all the time. And what's really interesting when we're looking at keto is that if a person is already stuck in a catabolic state and they're like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do keto. So what they do is they remove all their carbs. And the problem is that carbs can be one of the most pro-anabolic foods that we do. So they may have been eating some carbs that were helped balance them out a little bit, and they remove those carbs, and then they fall much further into a catabolic state. And of course, doing endurance, any endurance activity is a pro-catabolic activity. Right. That's where we're, we're, we know we're breaking down tissues when we're doing any kind of workout, and that's you know, why you get sore. Although, you know, we all know those things. But what we don't know is that some people are more stuck in that state than others. And I was severely stuck in a catabolic state and it was dwindling my body down. Uh, you know, you said it took me eight years to fix my voice. Those first couple of years, I was listening to doctors. I didn't know better. I was taking all those PPI drugs. I was turning off my ability to 
turn protein into amino acids so that I could rebuild muscle. And I looked like a POW. I was frail and little, and I, I looked like I just got back from being in a concentration camp or something because my body was constantly in this breakdown state. And so what's great about keto is that when a person eventually is eating enough, say they're eating a lot of butter and, and coconut oil and a lot of saturated fats like that, well, those saturated fats can have a pro-anabolic effect. It can kind of balance out the loss of carbs. But if someone's just in that transition and they're already really catabolic and they removed all their carbs and they haven't lifted their fats enough, let, you know, they could really create some problems for themselves. So it's nice to be able to look at your body chemistry and to understand, am I leaning way far in one direction or, or the other? And if I am, what steps can I take so that as I transition into this keto diet, I don't create more problems for myself? Instead, I can correct some things that are already going wrong. So it turns into like you're kind of cheating. You know, you're using all this information to kind of get better results than you can by just trial and error. Right. It's pretty cool. One of the charts you download is not as easy to read as I would like. Like, I'm like, I don't understand why I'm supposed to record. But the rest of them are super helpful. I mean, I started doing all the testing, the saliva testing, and I got the urine strips and all of that. I was in the good range. So I was like, oh, yay. If nothing else, you get confirmation that you're on the right track or it lets you know like, hey, this is why you can't get any faster because you're not rebuilding. Right. And, you know, one thing too is, uh, you know, some of the, the forms that we use to help people figure out where their chemistry is can be a little more complicated. It's hard right. for some people. People learn differently. Some people read right. and learn. Some people need to hear. Some people need to see. So that's why we made that almost course. digestion course. We kind of yeah. walk people through take this number, put it here. Like we're really just, we're holding people's hand and letting them show how oh, to do that's it. that's good. Right. But, you know, when you're looking at your chemistry, you may find imbalances that make sense to a symptom that you're dealing with. And that's great. But I've also had people that came to me at 435 pounds and we tested their chemistry and it was flawless. Like it was perfect. But obviously everything wasn't going right because they right. were 435 pounds. But they had some digestive issues. We just improved those. And this particular client I'm talking about lost 200 pounds in 12 months, 235 pounds. Nice. 12-month period. Right. So you can do a lot of things when you start working with your body instead of working against it because we do a lot of things that we hear are healthy that because they worked for somebody else, we assume that they're right. But when we do them for us, we're actually working against our body instead of working with it. And then sometimes we blame like ourselves, like, why can't I just get this right? I've said that to myself numerous times, like, why can't I figure this out? And, and you know, a big thing like that is we, we not only beat ourselves up, but the biggest problem I see with people in regards to that is things like cravings and, and willpower. They find yes. a diet like, man, if I could just stick with this diet, I would lose weight. The fact is that uh, when we look at cravings, and this is actually the book I'm working on now, and we've done a lot of podcast episodes about cravings, so you can find that if you need help in that area. But when blood sugar and minerals both go low at the same time, especially extremely low, a person can have a seizure. And there are other causes of seizures, but this is a really big one. So when a person is getting spikes and crashes in blood sugar, because they're eating all these carbs. And let's say their mineral levels are already very low. And anybody with digestive issues will often have very low minerals because they're not pulling minerals out of the food that they're eating. So their mineral levels are low. So when both of those things start to go low, the body gets pretty freaked out about a seizure because that's basically the system kind of shutting down. So they may have, you know, a day or two before they would actually have a seizure. You know, it's probably not going to happen, but the body gets very defensive about it early and it says, go get me a donut because it remembers that when the person ate that donut, they were able to break that down very easily. All these processed carbs and sugars, we can turn into fuel almost immediately with almost no effort. And that doesn't mean they're healthy. We know all the problems that they cause, but the body is viewing that as, 
look, I got no fuel. I got a lot of stuff I got to do right now. It's freaking out because it feels like it has to pay $800 worth of bills with six bucks. It's stressed about that. So it sends a signal and the signal is strong that says, go get me some chubby hubby ice cream. And the person feels like, oh, I'm just so weak. I have no willpower. And the reality is that it's not a personality problem. It's not, oh, well, my mom had cravings too. It's just genetic. It's not that. It's that physiology is helping you stay functioning and alive. And when you fix those problems, you raise the mineral levels in the body. I mean, I've had clients that were going to a therapist for 15 years just for their cravings. And they fix digestion, raise their minerals, and the cravings are gone. That's a great point because I have seen some other, I'm not going to say their names, but some people in the keto space who are coaches who are like, it's normal to be hungry all the time and to have cravings. And I, I'm married to a naturally thin man. He's six foot seven and weighs 170 pounds. Do you constantly hate him because of that or how does that work? No, he's pretty adorable aside from Aside from that, he can eat whatever he wants. Right. But he only eats when he's hungry. He doesn't eat when he's not hungry. He eats all kinds of junk, and he feels good. He perform, you know, he's a cyclist. He performs well. There's nothing wrong with him. He doesn't ever have cravings. So somebody was like, well, I have cravings all the time, and, and you just have to get used to it and accept that that's a normal part of life. And I'm like, I don't think that's a normal part of life. I don't think having cravings all the time is normal. So what it is, is common. And so people take common and they just translate that into normal. But the reality is that it, it's not normal. And it's, it's a sign that your body is, that is saying, can you help me out? Right. And, you know, because uh, I get real upset with people who bash, you know, people who are obese and who have eating disorders and all these problems. And they're like, why don't you just put it down? You know, that's kind of the, you hear all the, people are just mean. But yeah, I the agree. reality is that let's say that a person has digestive issues and they eat a cheeseburger and they have the ability to break that down through the process of rotting and fermenting and maybe some enzymes are helping out or something, but they can assimilate 10% of the nutrients in that food. And that's all they can use. Doesn't it make sense that that person needs to eat 10 cheeseburgers to feel as good as you or I might by eating yeah. one. And so these people that can't stop eating, it's not a personality problem. It's not in their head. It's a physiological issue. And the great news is that they can fix it. Yes, I agree. I agree. I love your talk on the cruise and then the information that we talked about today. So that was fabulous. So if you need help, with any of these digestive injections. I mean, I think the book is just good to read anyway. I mean, really, it's pretty entertaining. But I like reading about all things keto, digestion, health, and food. So Not everybody does. So we tried to make it where like, okay, how can we entertain at least a little bit so that they can just get through it, all the science? Yes, it's pretty funny. It's pretty fun. It is an easy read. And I have noticed a difference. I started doing the enzymes and I can have more fat without, you know, being shot off the toilet. So that's right. nice. that's a good sign. You want that sign. You want to be able to do that because you'll see that, you know, a lot of keto people, they can't get into a state where they're losing enough weight because they can't get into enough ketosis because they can't eat enough fat to get there. And when you can start processing those fats, not only can the body use those fats, but it allows you to increase your percentage of fats. And then all of a sudden somebody's losing 80 pounds. Uh, Nissa, that we know that's kind of exactly yes. what happened with her husband. Oh, yeah. And that's another reason why I got the book because Nissa was sitting next to me on the plane home because we're both from uh -huh. Phoenix. We're on, she's right. on the other side of town, which is right. a ways away. But when she was speaking, the ladies who were talking about food addiction, and then the person that Nissa was talking about how she was not, she was like, this didn't work for me. I couldn't raise my fats, I didn't feel good. And she didn't, like, I couldn't relate to the other ladies, but I could relate to exactly what Nissa was saying. Right. It was nice to have that opposite viewpoint. You know, some people can use uh, mental tricks to 
get past some of these cravings and some of these issues. There are things that work for some people that allow them to battle through the trouble. And Nissa tried those things for most of her life with diets. And every time she did a low carb, she couldn't do it. But when she fixed those, all of a sudden those things are easy now. I can just skip having that stuff. That's kind of crazy. So it was nice to hear from people who fixed the same problem using different tools. Yes, that was very helpful for me. And it, you know, inspired me to read your book and have you on the podcast. So I hopefully it'll inspire someone else because it is tricky. Our bodies are super complicated. We have how many metabolic processes going on at one time? I don't know, millions. Yeah. And we know a lot of stuff now. And a lot of the things that we're doing are really working really well for a lot of people. I were wrong about some of them. We're going to learn more things. We're always learning that, wow, that I can see why that worked. But man, we were way wrong the way we were looking at that. We open up some other cell and all this other stuff comes out. And we're like, oh, look at that. <laughs> we didn't know about that at all. Do you think allopathic medicine will ever catch up to any of this? Or do you think the profit margins of giving drugs and cutting people open is too big? You know, it's, it's about the people. It's about the people learning and educating themselves. And there's a lot of ways. You know, it's more now than it's ever been. But there's also always going to be people who I don't want to put any effort into that. Just give me a pill and make this symptom go away. There's always going to be those people. So that's what they'll use. And it's a, they have all the money. They kind of get to control of what's taught, you know, all that kind of right. stuff. So that's a hard tool to get past. But what we have now is that we have enough people seeing great results that someone else can be like, wait just a cotton picking minute here. They're doing this instead of what we're told to do and it's working better than what we're told to do. Maybe I need to check that out. And that team of people are building this voice that is growing louder and, and louder. Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate your talk and your time. So thank you so much, Tony, for coming on. I will include all of those links that you gave me in the show notes. And you can find Tony at Kick It Naturally. He'll have the link in the show notes about the free book, the almost free course, which I think would be very helpful, even if you read the book, to figure out how to do all the testings. Right. It just helps people kind of get through some of that a lot easier. A whole 50 cents. Whole 50 cents. Less than even a cup of coffee now. You can't even (laughs) get a cup of coffee for 50 cents anymore. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Cool. Thank you, Tony. Thank you.